entrepreneurs take risks. That's what we do. And that's kind of cool about a husband and wife team is yes, we're the same checkbook. We both were willing to take risks and it's why we kept growing and we changed our business. Our business model is constantly changing. Probably about every three to five years, we're a different business just because of how, what we do. And I think that's really key to why it worked for us. This is Mark C. Winters, co-author of Rocket Fuel and expert EOS implementer. Welcome to the Rocket Fuel podcast, where visionary and integrator duos from entrepreneurial companies share a behind-the-scenes look at their relationship. These amazing leaders blend their unique skills to create what we call Rocket Fuel. I'm really excited to introduce today's guest to you. Cher Yukel is the founder of Big Dot of Happiness, a party supply e-commerce company and a true visionary. She started the company in 1999 with $700 cash and her Midwestern work ethic. Scott Eukel, her husband, is an engineer by trade and was the company integrator for over 20 years. In this episode, they share how trust, communication, and clear role definitions are essential for operating a business as a married visionary integrator duo. If you're interested in scaling your business or selling your company without sacrificing its structure and values, then you're definitely in the right place. We're going to begin the show where Sherry and Scott describe how their business got started and what led them to implement EOS. Let's hop in. Today I have Sherry and Scott Eukel from Big Dot Happiness, a remarkable party supply business that specializes in creating goosebump moments, memories that last a lifetime. So thanks for your time today and welcome to the show. Excited to be here. Thanks, Mark. Are you interested in learning more about how EOS can help you run a better business, become a better leader, and live a better life? Stay tuned for more on all the ways you can level up on your journey to EOS mastery. Yeah, very nice to meet both of you. I am very curious to hear your story. So I know a little bit, just enough to be dangerous, so we're probably going to jump all over the place today. And so to start, I'd actually kind of like to go to kind of pre-EOS. So tell me what was going on with the company before you brought in somebody to help you with EOS. All right, I'll start here. So uh, Big Down of Happiness was a kind of just a hobby back in the day, back in 1999 is when we started. And it was the true startup kind of thing, the mentality of just, you know, whatever you got to do, you do. I was able to hire my husband about five years in. So he left his corporate job and uh, came on board when, when e-commerce was really trying, you know, starting to explode. And I think we ran the company for at least 15 years and through some massive, you know, growth and changes with e-commerce over those years. And then I, I'll let Scott kind of say, you know, why we decided we needed some structure <laughs> and then how we found EOS. Great, Scott. So yeah, pre-EOS. So we've been doing EOS, I believe for about four or five years it's been. Prior to that, there clearly was some structure. Um, my background is engineering. I come from a, a Six Sigma black belt type background. So processes and things of that sort are always have always been super critical. I think, you know, there's some challenges working with your spouse and we can get into that if you'd I like bet. to um, eventually. But yeah, we were on some pretty, pretty big growth curves um, with the business and um, just happened to stumble across this tool, the OS tool. Um, it was a book sitting on my nightstand, I think for about two years. And um, I don't know, something made me pick it up one day. And I was like, wow, we need this. 
because it was really the, the business had grown to, I don't know, 80, 90 employees and trying to keep everybody, you know, accountable and working towards the same things was becoming difficult. I'll add a little to that is that I'm a, I am what you would call the tr a true visionary. I didn't like a lot of structure. And I, when Scott first brought EOS to the table, I'm like, no way in bleep am I going to do this. And so I, I will tell you that I'm fully embraced the whole entire concept and I could not imagine where we'd be without it. But at first I'm like, you want what you, you want me to put IDS, you want me to put things in here to talk about priorities. What, what, what? Right. And so I played full visionary. Yes. I, I hook line and sinker. I'm, I'm that person. <laughs> <laughs> Great. So let's, so let's talk about that. Right. So you first start looking at the, the structure that's going to come by, by implementing EOS. And so how were you structured right before? So before you did your first accountability chart, you know, in, in implementing EOS, how were you structured? So Sherry, what, what seats as we would call them, were you sitting in at that point? I mean, I'm still was the sales creative kind of pusher of the company, the driver of the business, high strategic discussions, you know, relationships, et cetera. But I think what we found is that we hit that level where it no longer could all the answers come from Scott or I. Right. And we had to start building those uh, team members, those leaders under us. And that's when it just to be accountable and to make decisions and to kind of follow the find the guidelines of the goals that we had in place. And that's really when we needed this. So we did have leaders, but they were young leaders and they really didn't feel the accountability to make a decision. And so we really needed we needed this to help help everybody on the same mission. So how would you describe what the structure looked like before, right? So right before you built an accountability chart, was there a structure or was it just kind of everybody was kind of doing what? Yeah, I can answer that, Mark. So I, I think the structure, there was an org chart, as we called it before we started the EOS process. Now it's an accountability chart. Um, we did have that, but the reality is, is that, you know, Sherry and I both wore a lot of hats. A lot of hats. You know, you always do as an owner of a business. So, but the way we functioned was was spreadsheets and a lot of emails going back and forth. You know, there was always, I think, some confusion as to what the heck we're supposed to be working on at this point in time, because Sherry would send an email or I would send an email and pretty soon someone's off and they're doing something different than what, you know, they originally were working on. So it was, it was, it was, it was a little bit of chaos going on. I think we were pretty good at organizing it, but again, as we grew, it just, it became so obvious that we were struggling on what we should be working on. Right. So, so when you did that first accountability chart, okay, where you've got, you know, a visionary seat, integrator seat, and the rest of the seats on your leadership team, which it sounds like you were just kind of starting to maybe fill out, right? How many seats were each of you sitting in and what were they? Well, I still role play the role of high level sales, but I, I don't necessarily want to be. I'm, I'm kind of one of those unique people that have turned into more of Scott and less of a visionary. So I can kind of play both whether I wanted to or not. I mean, visionaries okay. love to be visionaries, but I, I kind of know the whole business. I know all the way from operations to product development to marketing. And so I, and unfortunately, I still touched too much of that. So I needed to get myself out of that and, and really right. look at the high level of the business in order to grow. You know, the chaos word is actually quite brilliant. And in our world of e-commerce that changes very fast, uh, chaos is necessary in order to stay on top of things. And so controlling the chaos is really what really got 
really good with EOS and how to implement that throughout not only just the leadership team, but now also a down on, down into the departments. So Sherry, for you, I expect you were sitting in the visionary seat out of the gate, true? Yes. Were you also sitting in the integrator seat in the beginning or was Scott in the integrator seat from the jump? I guess I would say I was mostly in the integrator seat from the jump, but again, we wore various hats. Right. I, I you know, I've always done the finance end. There you go. I've always done the IT, okay. the systems okay. side of that, because with an e-commerce, there's a lot of software. There's right. a lot of back-end software. The other thing, too, as a business, we're not only e-commerce. We also are a manufacturer. Okay. So I was involved. We, we manufacture our own products. And so we're, we, we actually, our business is, is a fairly complex business from the standpoint that we design. We have an entire creative team. Sherry would lead the creative team to help identify what products we should be producing. Okay. So Sherry, you would yeah. lead the creative team as a, as the, was that a distinct seat in the chart or was that just something you were doing as part of your visionary role? Part of the visionary role. And I also kind of controlled marketing, which was where are we gonna sell? How are we gonna sell right. it? And yeah, so I would, I would do creative marketing and talk to production. And then, so it was kind of like a split, like, a, you know, half of us were doing marketing, creative and touching in production. And then Scott was doing finance, IT and Which helping the flow out. of production. Mm -hmm. and, and let's not forget, I was, let's not forget I was involved with a lot of HR stuff. So, <laughs> and that's like, that doesn't happen when you're doing that. I think I'm up to like seven seats. It sounds like you were sitting in Scott, <laughs> right? And Sherry's in, you know, three or four over here on the leadership team, that first leadership team. Uh, how many other humans were on it in addition to you two? There was only like two, maybe two, okay. a production and so, a marketing person. Yeah, we had a marketing on the person, leadership a team? production manager. Mm -hmm. okay. And then we started expanding that out. Okay. And so, all right. And so it started to, that's, you know, so it's typical, right? So when you first start, it's, it's, I've never seen it where everybody's just sitting in one seat and it's all nice and clean and pretty. It just doesn't work that way. People have to sit in multiple seats out of the, out of the gate just to kind of, do what needs to be done, then you kind of start to prioritize and go to work on getting the right people in the right seats, which takes time. And so you start moving down that path, you start fixing some of those things, the two of you begin to be able, I'm guessing, to focus more on these visionary and integrator roles. Is that is that accurate? Yep, absolutely. Mm -hmm. And so you shared with me that you're a husband and wife. And so talk to me about that. Talk to me about the, the the spousal relationship that's also the professional <laughs> visionary integrator relationship. I've seen a few of these. Uh, I've never been in one myself, uh, but uh, talk to me about what's, what's really uh, cool about that and what maybe is really uh, challenging about that. Mark, you have to wait for my book. I'm just kidding. <laughs> no, I, I expect there's a good one coming. There's a good one coming. You know, one thing that we had very early on was we had a, uh, another married couple kind of as our financial advisors. They ran a company together and they were very good at helping us keep lines in the sands. We call them sandboxes because when you are growing a company and it does get intense, it's not all roses as we all know. Mm -hmm. There were moments when you both feel you have the final call and we had to really define our sandboxes pretty early. And then when the sandboxes over you know, they they're over top of each other. Then you're literally like, ah, that's my call. And then he's like, no, that's my call. And then we had to get together, you know, now in the EOS would be our same page meetings saying, okay, whose sandbox does have the final call here. Right. And, and so it would, it would get intense. It was really funny as the company grew and grew and grew, there were moments of just, you know, exciting. And just, this was the best thing on the planet. And then the very next moment you could walk in and you're like, oh my God, this is the most intense and stressful 
day I'm having. And it was very much a roller coaster um, until we could really define, like you said, seats and our sandboxes and who controlled what and who had the final say. We did get very good over the years of finally being able to shut it off when we got home. Mm. We have four kids. So not only did we run this really crazy, awesome, amazing business, we were raising four very active children. So So how'd you do that? How did you not bring it home? So, Mark, I I think that, you know, I know know you want to hear the good, the bad and the ugly. So there's some ugly here, I think. So like Sherry mentioned, we definitely literally... I look back, I still have like old spreadsheets and documents about sandboxes and what we did and, and uh, you know, really in the early years. And, you know, as you work together, you get to know each other a little bit. But at the same time, if you talk to anybody on our leadership team, wasn't uncommon for Sherry and I to throw out a, a swear word during the leadership team at each other. So, you know, we're both super passionate about what we do. I really love the business side of what we you know, what we created and, and Sherry was always about the, you know, the, the customer and the product. And so that's where it, it worked really well for us. But um, there were times when we both would be very passionate about something and um, it wasn't uncommon for us to have to take a break during a leadership meeting, for example. Okay. So literally stop down and get up and walk out for a little get bit. Get up, walk out of the room. Calm um, down. Yeah. Sometimes Sherry didn't come back, but um, you know, and so that, you know, Without a doubt, being married can be really difficult at times because, again, when you're both that passionate, we were both very involved with the business, both in leadership positions, obviously. So that made it really, really difficult at times. I think as time evolved and especially as we moved in the EOS, it really helped solidify what are the items that we need to be working on and discussing. Mm-hmm. Again, we don't need to solve all the problems as long as we're solving the most important was there ever a time that, you know, one of those heated moments where you had to just really sit down and go, you know what, this is, this is either going to kill our marriage or it's going to kill our business. Well, I mean, yeah. did it ever kind of get to that point where you had that conversation? There were, there are moments of, should we both still be in the business? Right. Should we not both be still in the business? Because there, I am a true visionary. I'm super passionate. And actually EOS helped that calm oddly because of the structure of the meetings. But yeah, there were moments. I think the desire of though, this is, we still have really enjoyed. If we didn't love what we were doing, I think we would have made a decision to, to do that earlier on because it can get really crazy growing and adding people and you know the fun of all that. Yeah. But yeah, I, I think the fact that we had so much fun and we, we ultimately had this goal in mind, like we need the company to get X, to get X millions in sales and then we're going to we're going to probably take it out to bid. So and and that all happened Mark. I mean, we can certainly talk about that kind of the back end of the business and where we're at now, but um, our company is is totally taking wings of growth. It's just been really amazing through the process. And so let's kind of follow that journey. So, you know, you you start in wearing lots of hats, you know, you, you build out your leadership team, you figure out how we as spouses and visionary integrator are going to work together and make this work and not kill each other, still be able to raise, you know, four great kids and have the company do what we want it to do. So you, you figure all that stuff out and you kind of come along that, that path. What did you find as you were able to really focus on those seats? Scott, for you, what was it? I, I noticed that you're a, you're like an 88 integrator, 59 uh, visionary on the assessments. Sherry, I see you're a 92 visionary 
you know, 71 on the integrator side. So that's good. That's a real nice match where, you know, you're each high in the, the seat you're sitting in, not too high in the other seat. So that way you don't fight for the wheel. You don't tend to step on each other as much as you might otherwise. So good natural fits there. You know, what did you find that, that was really surprising maybe as you began to work the relationship in that way and let each of you focus on what you've been calling your, your true sandbox and, uh, and spending your time focused on, on the stuff that you hopefully enjoyed and, and are great at. What was surprising for you? You know, I don't know if surprising. I, I, what I know is that Sherry's always been an incredible visionary. She's been very focused on the customer and the marketplace we're in. And I, what I know is there's no one else that can do that. She truly understands the market and what we need to do as a business. At the same time, she can be going after all kinds of things at one time. And so that's where, you know, you know, my job was is to say, okay, we can't do all this. What are we going to decide to work on? What, what, you know, what, what should be our priority at this point? Or how right. we do it, like, or the how. Like Scott didn't always necessarily disagree with, he knew I knew the vision and he knew we needed to do things, but I maybe wanted to do it this way. Right. And he was like, no, we have to do it this way because of, the rest of the team, or this has to happen first, or we need another facility first, et cetera, et cetera. So how we needed to do it was really important versus agreeing that we needed to do it. So, so talk about resolving some of those conflicts where, you know, maybe you saw it differently, whatever the, the issue was, whatever the topic was, you kind of saw it different. How did you, how did you work through to decide, okay, this is, this is what we're going to do. And this is how we're going to do it when you, when you maybe were, were, pretty far off to begin with. Yeah. And, you know, Mark, I think, I mean, so many of the, you know, when you're running the business, so many of the decisions that you're involved with are generally tied to some kind of finance finances mm -hmm. of some sort. And what, what I do know is that a huge benefit, I believe is that Sherry and I work out of the same checkbook. So it was always our finances versus let's say you have a second or third generation type business and you have multiple siblings and multiple sub bosses involved and and there's there's a lot more people that maybe are stakeholders per se so i think that was always a benefit for us is being able to work out of one checkbook i also you know it really had to come down to what whose sandbox were these items in okay what was the biggest bang for our buck so we would many times realize we had limited resources with our time and we would say okay what is the biggest revenue change we can make and then we would go after that. I think early on, one of the things I learned with EOS was quite interesting because so Scott's a list guy and he's a checkbox guy. And, you know, EOS is quite interesting because it's taught you to work on the most important things for the business. It wasn't like, let's get through the whole list. And some meetings you would spend the entire meeting on bullet number one, but it was the most important thing that we had to solve in order to make the next decision. And, yeah. and that was probably the most eye-opening thing for me with EOS. I was like, oh my gosh. And it was great. And it was still the right thing to do. Because many times we'd be like, oh, it's too big of a project. We're not going to talk about it. Yet we needed to talk about that one thing for an hour and a half. And so it, that was really eye-opening to me. Yeah. I mean, I mean, there, Mark, there are some failures in the past, certainly. And anytime you're, you know, I, I guess we're both big believers in if you're not failing, if you don't fail some of the time, you're not really trying hard enough. Mm -hmm. Jerry, can I pick on your bakery idea? No. Okay. <laughs> I do believe I thought that. it was Let's a horrible idea. You just need to fail and you need to fail fast. <laughs> but 
entrepreneurs take risks. That's what we do. And right. that's kind of cool about a husband and wife team is yes, we're in the same checkbook. We both were willing to take risks and it's why we kept growing and we changed our business. Our business model is constantly changing. Probably about every three to five years, we're a different business. And just because of how, what we do. And I think that's really key to why it worked for us. So I'm hearing a sort of an unusually strong financial incentive alignment, right? Because you're operating out of the same checkbook, right? So I get that. That helps. True for most, you know, spouses, right? Uh, I'm hearing that you're similarly wired in terms of risk taking. Is that true? Which one's the bigger risk taker? I'm more risk adverse than she is. That's just my that's the engineer in me. That's the financial yep. guy in me. I actually think I've become less risk adverse because as business went on, I, we started to see some successes and realized, boy, you got to spend money if you're going to make money. Mm -hmm. <laughs> Mark, I have a great story there on that one. So Scott was, again, please prove it before we buy this $250,000 piece of equipment. And I'm like, eh, no, don't worry about it. We'll make money. So we, literally we were in printing and converting and we went to a show and we walked by this really pretty giant flatbed printer. And I'm like, this is the coolest thing ever. And he goes, I go, buy me one. He goes, no, what are you going to do with it? I need to see the ROI. I go, I have no idea what we're going to make on it yet. I have no idea what, but I promise you it'll be profitable, whatever we produce on it and we'll make money. And he goes, oh, he rolled his eyes. And before we left the show, we bought one. Uh, let's just say within three months, we bought two more. So <laughs> it, it worked out. And he's, he learned to trust me because I have that instinct and intuition. But also, you're going to figure out how to pivot to make money on whatever you have to offer. I will give Scott credit the fact that, you know, we didn't we never got loans. We always paid as we went. We were a, right. we were a bootstrap company. And I love that. I, I think more businesses need to do that and, um, you know, go grow as fast as you can, uh, because it really helped us kind of keep the vision as long as we possibly could. So right. it's good. Very interesting. Yeah, it's, you know, it's amazing to me when spouses can work well together like that, because I mean, I'm married 30 years, very happy. Everything's, you know, great. There's no way we could work together that <laughs> she would hate it. I would hate it. I don't think it would be. Well, actually, I'd say from a skill set, we have very complementary skill sets. But it's just, you know, I, I don't know. I just I'm, I'm amazed by people who can who can make that work really well. You know, Mark, it, it's definitely a learned skill. Like I said, we we struggled, I think, for a while at first. And and uh, again, what luckily way before EOS came into the picture, we had um, basically some mentors, a husband wife team that were older than us. And it was huge help having them kind of coach us and mentor us. That's and, cool. Um, without them, I don't know how it would have turned out. Yeah, that's great. I mean, that's probably great advice in and of itself is to have some mentorship there from somebody who's walked that road, right? It is hard, though, to leave work at work and come home and actually not talk to each other like we're co-owners anymore. Right. We're now husband and wife. And that took a little bit of time. We're now much better at that. But you do you can't do boardroom talk when you go home and be parents. So it's, it, is, right. it is an interesting trade. Yeah. All right. So let's keep rolling down this path. So, you know, things are working, you know, the company's growing, the, you know, you're more successful, more profitable. And you had this idea in mind to at some point put it out for bid, I think was your, was your language. So talk to me about when you start getting to that point along the journey, what did that look like? I'll give the personal side to this. So um, again, we've talked about that. We have four children and we also, Scott and I have been in other business groups where we've seen second generation and third generation businesses where they the children no longer talked to each other because it they had gotten a, a company from their parents. And actually early on in our company, I think maybe year 10 or year 15, we had our first 
maybe our second rendition of our will done. And we're like, you know, we don't want the kids to buy the business. We want that to not be an option because with four siblings that will probably get married, there's going to be eight people deciding and it's just going to end up horrible. So we already knew that. And this is our dream. This was our passion, not theirs. And so we knew that early on and Scott kind of had, we both had talked about a number and then our vision and when that would happen. And with all companies, you you know, there's these business levels you hit and you kind of need some different skill set, expertise, connections, probably more capital to really make that giant next leap. And we kind of knew that sweet number and that did happen in 2019. So it was when we that right. those numbers hit and, um, you know, we went through an M&A process. So it was it was quite sweet. So so what, I, what I'm hearing there is it really was, it was driven by your personal plan. Mm-hmm. Right. Your, your, your plan, your plan for family, how the business was going to serve ultimately your personal plan. And so you execute that, you go out, you do the deal. So you do a transaction and then do you both stay? Well, so, yeah, like Sherry said, um, <laughs> we, we had planned this early on that we weren't going to pass this along to our kids. You know, that we didn't really have any of them that were showing a lot of interest in it maybe because mom and dad brought home too much work and they decided, <laughs> I don't want to do that. So um, that was always our plan all along. Cause people always, I think people always assume that if you start a business and own a business that you have to keep it forever, mm. you know, and quite frankly, Sherry and I are both at the point where we want to do something different and no one said we had to do this forever. And then on, on another note, I'm pretty sure my kids will be really happy with the amount of money we sold the floor and someday maybe they get their hands on some of it, but for now it's not theirs. So, yeah, so in 2020 is when we actually got the deal done. We also discovered as we'd gone through this is that you want to sell a business when the business is going this direction, not that direction or this direction, right? So the timing was right for us. So we went out. We had gone through a bunch of management meetings. This is March, February and March of 2020. Okay. We go through our management meetings. We're working with our M&A guy and... He's like, I think we're going to have seven solid offers on the table. Again, we had a lot of interest. Things were going super well for us. Can I interject? <laughs> yeah, go ahead. You take it from here. <laughs> Mark, this was actually a really cool learning curve from a female perspective. Um, you know, it was it was management groups come in from all over the country, some an international, and I'm the only woman in the room, and it was very intimidating. And I remember our mentoring partner said, Sherry, your whole life has set you up for this. Just do what yeah. you do best. And so I had to kind of just shake that off. Yeah, I mean, I love this brand. I love what we're going. I want the ultimate vision to grow this brand. And yes, we went through those presentations. And yes, we were had seven solid offers coming in. And he's our M&A guy. Go on vacation. Go visit your daughter who's studying abroad in Budapest. We'll talk when you get back. Uh, This is where the book deal will also have some of this in there. But let's just say what happened then. We were at the airport and we did not get on that plane because no one else was in the airport. And so the country shut down. When you own an event celebration business in the middle of COVID or the beginning of COVID, everybody gets a little sketchy and pause. All offers paused. So Scott and I were literally had no idea what just hit us, what just happened. But I'm going to give you a sweet spot here is that we do what all entrepreneurs do, which is a giant pivot in our world, which is celebration. People, the spirit of celebrating parties doesn't stop. People still want to be with their loved ones, still wanting. And we did a giant pivot with outdoor yard signs because our phone went off the hook. And we listened to the customer, which is, I can't see grandma, but can you do a honk? And then can I drive by her house? And yep. we, our business blew up, ended up having the largest May we've ever had 
uh, let's just say some of the bidders came back and said, if this company can pivot through this, we want them. And so we ended up closing the deal for a better deal than originally stated. And so it did. So the price did go up. Yeah, it was it, 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 was, it was awesome. That's very cool. Yeah. It was an interesting time during COVID because literally the business went from here to basically zero. Right. And we had to let a whole, basically the entire staff go, the warehouse, the production staff, because we realized that right now we got to preserve cash. And so our four children, and we're, we're also home because of COVID and our, we, our, our uh, oldest ones are in their mid twenties now, they were all home. At the end of it, they had spent 10 weeks at home with us, you know, kind of on lockdown. We kept our business running. Um, all four of the kids came in. We were all working super long days and hours. I'm in the warehouse driving fork truck, unpacking boxes, stocking stuff. You know, we are all doing what we have to do to right. keep the business going. And then as Sherry alluded to, it started to turn around. And within two months, we were doing more business than we had done prior to COVID. So incredibly stressful time, but an experience that we'll never forget. And all of our kids were yeah, how cool all super involved with it. What a great family experience. And and that's just it. I think what, what you always wonder when your kids kind of just see, you know, they're involved in a family that has success. You wonder if they have that work ethic. And I will tell you when it got, I cried. I was like, I've never seen my kids grind so hard. They truly understood what it was like to be an entrepreneur and our whole team. I don't want to just make this about just the Yukels. I mean, our whole team was fully embraced and it was unbelievable and super exciting. And, you know, you just, you know, they were babies when the company started. So I didn't know right. if they really remember the startup stage. They got the startup stage just because of COVID. And it was, it was probably, I, I mean, talk about goosebumps for me as a parent. It was, it was that, it was exactly that. Yeah, that's a super inspirational story from an entrepreneurial perspective to be able to, you know, buckle down, pivot, figure out a way mm -hmm. to, you know, hold mm -hmm. it together to make it work, even through the pain, I'm sure, of, you know, having to, to, to you know, let people go that probably been there for a long time, all the relationships, mm -hmm. all, all, all of that side of things. And then the family side of it to have, mm -hmm. you know, to go through that valley together. Mm -hmm. and see how people respond and get to watch each other react mm -hmm. under pressure like that. That's, uh, that's, yeah. that's priceless. And then you can start recalling some of your team and it just, it was really moving and it was really great. So, all right. So the, the deal ends up getting better. You go through this experience and the, the, the deal comes back on the table or more than, more than one of them and the price of poker goes up and awesome. So you do one of the transactions, right? Mm -hmm. The better yep. one, I hope. Okay, so my question that led us off into that whole path that I was not even aware of, <laughs> which is a great path. Did you both stay? We both stayed for a period of time. Uh, as of January, I'm no longer with the business. Okay. Sherry still is. When we did the deal, we both had signed like a two-year agreement. Right. But there was nothing binding about that. Typically, they want owners and founders to stick around to help with the transition. Sure. Um, at the same time, Sherry, you know, I never did this to work for someone. So as soon as they started asking for financials and, and reports, and I'm like, wait a second, I'm the one that asked for that. Now right. I'm reporting to someone. I'm like, this isn't going to work so well. Right. So, <laughs> God. so all of my hires, um, my hats were, were, were hired and there's now a new integrator in place. And so I've been done since January. Now I just have to listen to Sherry come home and talk about work. Right. <laughs> 
I only halfway listen anymore. This is my baby. It's my fifth child. And um, in order for me to truly sunset with Scott, because he's been sunsetting now for a little while and he's super funny, he's totally in retirement mode and enjoying life. And he's super stressed. He has no stress. Yeah, he looks totally stressed <laughs> out to me. I know. Look at him. He's just like, oh. <laughs> um, but I know I couldn't let go until I know it's okay. So like getting all the key players and then my successor in place, et cetera. And so, yeah, Scott left pretty, you know, fairly quickly after the business transition occurred. We still own a significant part of the business and okay. I will always think about this brand. So to not think about it all the time and actually start traveling with Scott in the future, I need to make sure it's set. And so I'm still the CEO for now. I will, I mean, I think, I'm not sure when this is, but we are announcing my transition here in a couple of weeks, um, but it's, it's, a, it's about a year from now. But I wanna make sure this baby of mine is just set to just explode. And sure. we're, the partners are allowing us to do that, um, letting me be involved with the succession planning, uh, making sure the key players are all set. But, you know, it was really interesting finding my new integrator. You know, I know we talk, we haven't really talked about it, but it is hard. It is hard to find this duo. It is hard to find an integrator visionary relationship. When you're married to it is one thing. And Scott and I have a great, we had a great working relationship, but I needed that same thing in order to even take it to the next level with, right. especially with acquisition. And um, so how'd, my, first how'd you try, do it? my first try was horrible. Let that person go really quickly. It just, you can tell, you could tell within a month it wasn't, it was, even though you thought you did diligence, it just didn't work. My new one is amazing. His name is Jim. Scott has met him. If you looked at their results, they're almost identical. It's super funny. Um, but he, and I just respect him. He's, he's done very similar things. He understands my personality and he, he's funny. He's 59 years old and he said, I didn't realize I was an integrator my whole life because right. he's worked at many different companies. And I said, yeah, I know it because he didn't know the term of EOS. Right. And, didn't, didn't have the language. Jerry, mm -hmm. Jerry, can I interject? So I'm not sure anybody understands your personality, but so the new integrator, um, him and I have had some conversations on the side. <laughs> Visionaries are people. <laughs> about how to work with Jerry. Visionaries so, are So I've given them some insight. <laughs> We're boring. We don't have a lot to say, visionaries. <laughs> so it sounds like Scott's becoming the integrator whisperer. Yeah. Right? He's, yeah. he's the guide. So Sherry, on the, the hiring the replacement integrator here, so you had the one misstep. What was the lesson you learned on that one? What was the, the hiring a mistake or, or you know what you did wrong in the process that you learned from that helped you do better the next time? I spent more time on just general communication. People say they can, they'll touch base and have the same vision of you and help you get those projects done. Um, but you really had to have touch points like almost every morning and every day at the end of the day in order to build that trust. Um, I think even Scott gave Jim that like that one nugget was you have to earn her trust or this will never work out. And I'm pretty sure that's what you told him. I don't even think you told him anything else other than well, that. I mean, every, every relationship's built on trust. And so until you have trust or if you don't get trust, it'll never it'll never be what it can be. Right. Yeah. And. It is great. It's actually kind of in a weird way, you know, Jim and I work very, very well together. So I'm making sure my successor, you know, can work very, very well with him too, because there, there is, you do need this duo to grow the company. It's, it's the two voices that you can say anything to and, and it will help you grow the brand and help you grow the company. And if there's anything you're holding back, it's not the right duo. It is really what I'm, I kind of think. I feel really mm -hmm. lucky to have found a new integrator 
Right. Yeah, it wasn't without hardship that interim one. So. so I'm curious, one of the things I hear from, uh, you know, like private equity firms and people that are buying companies is that they will pay more for a company that's running on EOS and they'll pay more for a company that has an integrator because they feel like it lowers the risk uh, post-acquisition. Did you experience that in any of your discussions and kind of when that came down? One of the other companies that was in the final run for it practiced EOS and actually those exact terms came through their mm. mind and they said they drink the Kool-Aid, if you remember that, Scott. The company we actually went with did not hear of EOS, had never heard of it. They were a smaller firm, a younger firm, but we loved it because they're in e-commerce. They really understood e-commerce and we just didn't want to have that battle because that's what we are, we're a peer play. But it's been really cool. I'm so glad you asked this question, Mark, because I will fundamentally tell you the reason that having new partners has been so successful. I mean, it's been a really nice streamless process is because we got them engaged in the VTO the very first month. They, t I think within two months yeah. was our VTO. And they're like, what is this VTO thing? And they flew in for it. And they're involved in every quarterly um, discussion, setting the rocks. And what it's done is it's made me as the CEO there's no squirrels. And as a visionary to say that is quite shocking. But right. you know, there's no, we're, we're all on the same path. We agreed to the rocks, we're on this mission, we're doing it. Because when young you know, acquisitions occur, there could just be constantly, and it's kept us in line and it's kept a great relationship growing. And I, I actually thank Scott for just you know, doing that and then us really keeping engaged. And they love it so much now that they're starting to implement it in their other brands in their other companies they own. Oh, really? Yeah. Very cool. And it's, it's done a really good job. I, I love it. I'm so glad we have it. I can't imagine without having it. Yeah, I, I think another thing worth mentioning, Mark, is in terms of Sherry's replacement. And again, this is airing, I believe, Later. after this, Later. Sherry. Yeah, but, this won't, this, it won't come uh, out here. <laughs> that's good. Her, her replacement is homegrown, which is, I think, super cool. So this is, she was actually our first graphic designer that we hired I don't know, 15 more years, 15, 20 years ago. Mm -hmm. And um, so she'll be taking Sherry's position. Um, I, I think several years back, or at least a couple years back, the thoughts started crossing my mind. I said, hey, I think she can take your role, Sherry. I think mm -hmm. she can be the one. Yeah. And so she's been mentored and mm -hmm. just, it's so super exciting because we know that Sherry's fifth child will be taken well care of because you know, she shares the same vision as, right. as you know, we would have, especially Sherry. And I love it. She deal. feels like a daughter. So yeah. I love that it's someone that I know has the same vision and passion for the brand that I do. So I'm, I'm super excited about the future. So I have to ask, after that chapter kind of wraps itself up, what's next for the Yukels? <laughs> what's next for the Yukel family? You know, I guess I'm, I'm taking the advice of I've heard from from other people that have sold businesses is don't feel like on day one, you have to go find something else to do. Take some time off, relax, you know, take a year off. And so I'm in that year right now, you know, of, of taking some time off. <laughs> I see it. Jerry's going to have to catch up I'm gonna a little have to catch bit. Up. <laughs> so Mark, I'm a workaholic. And, you know, it was really funny. I had this vision of, I guess, retiring or selling our company before I turned 50. So we did get that done. I was 49 when the business actually sold. I'm 51 now, so I'm over that curve. But I'm too young to retire, and, and I'm driven by making things, building things and making things happen. I agree, though. I need to clear my mind. I need to 
just, you know, but my knowledge of e-commerce is quite impressive. And it's taken me a while to actually realize I, I kind of know my thing, but I can see us doing something, but I will want the flexibility because Scott just said, either you're traveling with me or I'll find someone else too. So I, I right. do need to go or he'll leave without me. Right. And I just am super excited. I want to be able to do whatever, but I also, I'm already starting to do a bit of mentoring young entrepreneurs because especially female entrepreneurs, I love it. I think they're and you can see when you meet someone, I, I think, Mark, you've interviewed a lot of people. You, when you see someone, you know when they have it. And it's mm -hmm. usually when they talk about their drive and why they do it. It's never about the money. It's always oh, about their sure. passion. And so I can see that. And I really want to help others do that. But I can see me building something else again. I once was told, don't worry, Sherry, it chooses you. And so I can't get that out of my mind. And I'm hoping that actually occurs because I think I have more to offer. But I would like to sunset and travel a little with my husband because he feels like he's, look at him, he's glowing. <laughs> right, he is. Well, Sherry, here's kind of the deal. So I, <laughs> Mark, I've taken on kind of a little bit of a fascination with crypto and NFTs. And <laughs> as I'm watching the TV right now up here in front of me, Sherry, you might not be leaving work for a while. <laughs> oh, no. <laughs> <Stop it! laughs> one, one of those days. Oh, no. <laughs> well, maybe she'll have time to write that book she's been, uh, she's been plugging. <laughs> Yeah, so, I, I have. I will someday. I haven't started anything yet with that. So. It's it's in you. I can tell. Well, I I am so grateful to both of you for taking a little time with me and, and sharing your story. I I know it's going to help some uh, some folks that are out there that are sharing certain facets of, of your path, and maybe it'll help them get there a little faster. Maybe uh, you know a little bit without stepping in some of the holes that uh, that we step in along the way. So I'm grateful for you and uh, to, to our listeners out there. Well, first, is there any, if, if somebody wants to find out more about your business or anything you're doing, what's the best way for them to get a hold of you? I'm on LinkedIn. You can look up Sherry Uckel. There's not a lot of Uckels, so you'll be, you'll be able to find me. And uh, bigdotofhappiness.com. And I'm still the CEO. And my email is very simple. It's sherry at bigdotofhappiness.com. Perfect. For me, just LinkedIn under my name, Scott Uckel, Y-U-K-E-L. Again, there's only one of us. There's only <laughs> one. I love it. All right. Well, again, thanks to both of you, Sherry and Scott, and, uh, and to our listeners. Thanks for listening. And until next time, go rock it. Thanks so much for joining me today. I really hope you were inspired by our guests. If you're interested to discover how your current visionary integrator relationship compares to the relationship you'd like, I invite you to go visit rocketfueluniversity.com and take our free crystallizer assessment. You'll get both your visionary and integrator indicator scores, and that's going to help you figure out your next step. Want to increase your value as the number two leader in your organization? Take the first step toward maximizing your visionary integrator relationship and learn everything you need to know to join the Integrator Mastery Forum community. Your journey to Integrator Mastery begins at the Integrator Masterclass. Visit rocketfueluniversity.com to learn more.